This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast session number 188. When music drives movement. Hello there and welcome to session number 188 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. I'm Annette Bone and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus, the lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. I'm super excited to bring you this conversation I had recently with Ethan Margolis, who is a director, composer, brilliant musician. I have so been enthralled with his music and his wife, Seatley Ocampo, who is a world-renowned flamenco dancer and a professor at Santa Monica College in the dance department. So we talk a little bit about that. But before we get into his show coming up November 1st and November 4th at Fountain Theater, I'm going to link all of the information in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 188. I want to invite you to go to my homepage, AnnetteBone.com, A-N-N-E-T-T, B-O-N-E.com, go to the middle of the page and there is an option to get a free audio resource that will help you overcome overwhelm, confusion, and disappointment. It will really be helpful to you. So go ahead and put your name and email in there. It's a free resource. I look forward to hearing from you and getting to know you better. So my conversation with Ethan, oh my goodness, the music, his music, his processes and the way that he talked about flamenco and his background and his wife Seatley's background. Wow. <laughs> Very intriguing and his sources of inspiration. So let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with Ethan on how flamenco music drives movement. Thank you so much for joining me. Do you love music? Reckon you can pick the next big hit? Become a contributor at Stereo and get rewarded for rating new music. Go to Stereo.com forward slash contributor to apply. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. For me, it's about behind the scenes and behind the dance, digging deeper behind the movement. And there were some fascinating things I found out about the origins of flamenco and the purpose of flamenco, because you see it like anything else, so commercialized and just bits and pieces of it in the media. And that's what I knew until I talked to Ethan Margolis. So, wow, what a conversation I had. I so enjoyed it, learned so much, love his music. You have to check out his music. I am just enthralled with the way he combines jazz and blues and flamenco and his wife, Seatley Ocampos, just a beautiful, gorgeous dancer in her background with studying at Ailey and Steps on Broadway and her process of getting into the flamenco world and how accomplished she is in that genre. So I had a bit of pre-conversation, which I usually do with uh, my guests. And so I want to share this snippet of what we got into and then get into the questions. But, you know, the interesting thing, and, and you know, everyone's awareness of this issue is sort of different. But the interesting thing about flamenco in general is that outside of the sort of the Delta region of southern Spain, 
the message of the most important aspects in flamenco are somewhat lost, um, unfortunately. So, in other words, in, if you go to Seville and you go to Lebrija and you go to Jerez and you go to the birthplace of flamenco, everyone's aware of how it developed and, and who is responsible for the development and et cetera. But the international and even sometimes domestic within Spain images of flamenco are something quite different because it turned into something very different when it went on stage and when it got dance focused. So that being said, it, it's, it's an entirely different thing what you see, you know, in the world flamenco versus what it what it was born of mm -hmm. and it was born of gypsy song and dance no question about it but the audience the audience have never responded that strongly to the singing aspect because it's a little bit hard to swallow sometimes it takes a certain taste it, it's in, all in spanish it's hard to understand spanish there's many reasons why it hasn't you know ever caught on that much and so what's happened over a hundred years is basically the dance has sort of taken over as complete first plane and left behind many of the creator um, interpreters and poets that were part of the, that funded the, that that began the art form. So that's why that's like the focus of this specific show is to really help, you know, add that awareness to the thing. And, you know, and it's something that needs it because you, what you have is you have all these gypsy families that develop the art form through song and dance that are basically totally left off the map. So, you know, both Seely and I teach that in, every, in everything we do. And we really believe in that because both of our schools are from those people. So there's a certain responsibility that we have to, you know, make sure that that is something that we help people be aware of when we have, con when we connect with people. It changes the dance. I mean, yes, it really yes. changes the dance, you know. So if you look at it from strictly a dance perspective, it, it's really, really different what Essence is put out from somebody who understands that all that and has been in and steeped in that awareness versus someone who's not, they, they dance totally different. Very, I mean, it changes the dance or the music into something that's really significantly deeper and, and heavier. And, you know, that's why sometimes you can do a lot less, you know, yes, because it means more. So there are two things that struck me about your background and the way that you approach your art. And um, it's pretty impressive anyway, your background, what you've done, your education, your experiences. Um, but there are two things that stood out to me. One was that you are particular about the kind of collaborations that you do and the quality of your work, because I know a lot of artists that they do anything and everything for exposure's sake because it's about the notoriety, about the accolades, about getting their art out there and whatever it takes, they'll do without really considering, okay, is this the best thing for my brand? Is this the best thing to represent who I really am? So I was quite right. impressed by that because it's not about the money for you and your wife. And then the second thing is how much you're moved and inspired and affected by the strife that black people and black musicians have had to endure for such a long time. Can you talk about those two things? Yeah. Yeah. Those are two big questions. <laughs> they're, kind of, they're kind of separate, you know, let's, yes. let's do one maybe at a time if we okay. can. So the first one regarding our collaborations and regarding, uh, you know, why we do what we do, I guess that's yes. kind of what you're asking. Yes, sort of, right. So that one, we look on our, on 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 both of our own sort of missions in our in art. We both went to Spain on you know by ourselves, and we both decided that we needed to leave the U.S. to do that. And we both decided that we needed to apprentice within you know gypsy circles way before we ever started performing. We both decided um, 
that that was the way to best get where we wanted to get and also to honor whatever connection we felt with the music. So, and the dance and the singing and you know everything. So, if, so I think both of us were aware, and I don't want to really speak too much for her. Seely can you know do that on her own if if she likes. But we, as a as a long time you know partnership we have, um, and you know we're married and all that. But uh, almost twenty years of basically doing art and living together and all that. We some of the reasons we're tight is because we have parallel missions. So. Some of the reasons it works is because we have parallel missions within that. So there's a, there's a degree that I can speak a little bit about the both of us, even though she's not talking. We both were drawn to significantly more than just the music or the dance within Flamenco. We were both drawn to the feeling. We were both drawn to the messages that we couldn't figure out right away. We were drawn to what was, you know, the 10th layer below versus what first and second layers you see. Um, so that's unique because not everybody is drawn to that. Some people are just drawn to the flashy stuff they see. Some people are drawn to, oh, I want to be that dancer or that musician and I want to make other people say, you are great. You know, we don't care about that. So we were both on a, a real essential kind of a soul search with it. And that required a totally different kind of dedication to the art. So I think our story, you know, along with people like us, is always going to be a different story than other people who don't who aren't after that that connection so if you go back 20 years or whatever you can immediately see the steps that we took to do that and so because of all of that work and all of that drive and all of that time spent towards this much deeper search collaborations are you know are analyzed we we were very careful with them because it's at this point it would be spinning our wheels or going you know going backwards if we started to break all of that commitment level we had to getting what we got and you know if you don't have that necessity in your life and you're not worried about whether or not you know you're accomplishing your soul journey within the art form then it's probably pretty easy to collaborate with whoever so for us it just it, would, it just really it doesn't make any sense and it, it would be depressing because it would be like you know ruining our mission <laughs> You know, so we have to be very careful with with who we do things with and what the outcome is or what. And we have to predict what it might be. And unfortunately, the mission that we have within within Spanish music is not shared much in the U.S. So our collaboration opportunities here are significantly less than they would be in Spain. You know, more people have our mindset in the in the Delta regions of Spain who support um, Southern Gypsy song and know what it is, you know, we could collaborate with more people there because we would be on a similar plane. But here it's hard. Here it's definitely significantly tougher. So personally, I do better collaborating with like high level jazz musicians because I feel like I can talk to them in a similar way than I can with other flamenco people. I also like to collaborate with just anybody who's very driven uh, in their own art, you know, and that's that both is motivated by other things that are not money and and also puts out a high quality bar. So, yeah, I mean, look, I've been in the music world a long time at this point, and, and you know, I've seen a lot of musicians and artists who are just worried about, you know, where's the next $150 coming from? Or, I mean, and that's a, that's a small amount of money to be worried about, but it's a hard life for musicians. So, you know, it's 
I understand why that what people have the mentality they do, but I think that music, I think that all the arts have suffered because of, of of great artists' willingness to just do whatever, you know. You kind of lose that standard, and then people start seeing other things, and then, then the other things aren't as good, and then people stop caring as much, and then the audience isn't as into it, and then they don't want to go as much. It's just like it's kind of like a domino effect, you know. I agree. And it's, it's, it's sad to see it that way, but, but yeah, you've, like you said, you've been, you've seen a lot being in the industry for as long as you have. And, um, yeah, and I understand why people make their choices, but you know, for an umbrella statement of like, you know, what is really helpful to the art? I don't know that, you know, that just doing whatever, you know, for visibility, I don't know that, you know, and why is that even so important? Right. You know, what point did people, at what point did people lose track of, you know, their own mission to where all that matters is that everyone else looks at their mission and says, good. What, when did that ever get to be so important? I don't know. Maybe it's financially connected because if, if other people like what they do, they think they can make more money. But look, I don't, I don't see that panning out that way. You know, even with mm-hmm. people that are trying to be everywhere, I don't see that within a non-commercial art form like blues or jazz or flamenco or something like that. You know, I don't see that they're, making a lot of money because of those decisions. Do you think, you know? did you, did you always feel that way or was it because you, you had talked about being really inspired by Jesse Owens and me, like I said, about being moved so deeply by the experiences of black people and black musicians. Um, did that have anything to do with it as well? Or what would you want to say about that? So, hmm, I don't know that I've ever thought of that. Can, if it was connect, I mean, there's an essence of, of like, I think people, if people are connected inside, the, the, the stronger the connection, the self-connection is, or the soul searching, or the you know mission connect of oneself, the stronger that is, I think there's more soul in the person. So, you know, the, the more you sell yourself out, and the more you do a bunch of other things that maybe are not what you believe in, I think you lose soul. So. So certainly, you know, being part, witnessing, well, hearing, hearing stories about, you know, about sort of Cleveland ghetto life, which is where my grandparents on my father's side grew up, which is why I heard stories about Jesse Owens, because my grandfather went to his high school. So, and it was all very poor, you know, ghetto, basically downtown ghetto life. That's, so I didn't grow up in that, but I heard all about it. And I heard about, you know, what it was like for them to finally develop a print business, you know, like a print shop so that they could get out of there and then they could move to the suburbs and what suburb suburbia was basically beginning. And so even though I didn't grow up in it, you know, I, I heard about it as part of my family and it was, and I lived on the same property with my grandparents. So, you know, they were like second parents to me. So it was, it was very close to me what they had experienced, even though I wasn't growing up in it. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, Jesse Owens is, a, is an incredible an incredible character for anybody, you know, as an amazing example. And his, the, in, everything he did is just basically spectacular as far as what I, what we know of and what I know of. And um, so to grow up where your grandparents are coming out of a sort of a Cleveland poverty, Jewish situation, you learn about the Holocaust, you learn about Hitler as a little kid, I'm talking about, you know, five, six, seven years old, whatever. And then, you learn what Jesse Owens did, who who went to school with your grandpa, and 
you learn that he stood up to Hitler in front of everybody as a black man, you know, I mean, it was very, it was a mind blowing thing. And at that moment I was like, well, where was the Jewish person that was doing that? <laughs> and, yeah. and there was, there was tons of them, but I didn't, you know, I'm like a U.S. kid who grew up and I like sports and I, I was, for whatever reason, the sports aspect of it attracted me. It's not, there was, I mean, there was very clearly Jewish people everywhere standing up uh, to, to the events and, and very clearly. But as a little kid, what I was first impacted with is sort of the, who's going to fight against this thing was Jesse Owens doing it. And that was mind blowing to me because I was well aware of how difficult, well, I was certainly, uh, I could imagine the difficulty that that would have what that would have implied for him and and so that made a big uh impression on me and then i think you know from then forward just being interested in many of the different cultural aspects that i've been interested in which is you know i've lived in the west india i've lived in the caribbean i i i have worked with a jamaican chef i've um been very interested in blues and jazz over the years and so i've been exposed more and more to different types of black musicians, not all of them, um, us based, you know, but, uh, <clears throat> and many of their families. And I just, you know, there's, there's definitely not to generalize, but there's definitely in, in many of, of my friends that I've had an attention to soul connect that I don't know that I can say it's as prominent in some of the other worlds that I've been a part of. Um, you know, this is tough to talk about because it could offend a lot of people. So, <laughs> It's really not. I really, I'm not. That's not the point. We're talking about what, why I, who I am, why I believe what I believe, why I do what I do, and so I'm just explaining my, um, you know, my experiences and what those meant. So, so there's connections, sure, and between that soul, you know, I think between the community's desire to stay in touch, and then on another level, the gypsy community in southern Spain that is responsible for the development and and much of the initial creations of the flamenco song and the, and the dance, they are like the, those people could care. Most of them, it's changing now a little bit because financial needs are different, but most of them, and many of them have been my teachers really could care less if there's a dollar involved. If the dollar is there, they need it. They, you know, they're, many of them are poor. They need the money, but they're going to do the art no matter what. So they're going to sing and they're going to dance no matter if they do it by themselves, if they do it with their cousin, if they do it on a stage, it really doesn't matter. And the connection that, and the necessity for them to sing their words and for them to dance their thing is not, is not, you know, they can't compromise, non-compromisable, compromising, non-compromising. And um, that's really refreshing artistically because if anyone needs a dollar, they need it. I mean, they're the, they're some of the poorest people I've ever met. So it's not for lack of need, you know, it's just simply that they're very clear that this is a part of their being. It's a part of their history. It's a part of their soul. It's a part of their bloodline. And, you know, that's that that's first priority. Wow. That, that is incredible. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you talked about all of that. And, and, um, I didn't find it offensive. Like you said, you were exp expressing what you've experienced and your thought processes as you were growing up and seeing all these things and hearing all these things. And I was curious to find out, speaking of connection and soul and 
non-compromising. Your wife studied at Ailey School, right? And steps on Broadway when she was training in dance? She she did. Some, yeah, she went to New York before. So before she was into flamenco, mm-hmm. um, well, before she kind of went for flamenco as a, you know, as a professional thing. Um, yeah, she went to New York to do all sorts of dance and she chose New York over LA, even though she was born in San Diego. She's first generation born um, in the US in San Diego. So she could have gone to LA. It would have been very easy. But she did not want to go to L.A., specifically because she was looking for, you know, some edgier, deep, deeper artistic connections. So she chose New York at a time when it was in the dance world. It was really, really blasting and amazing. Mm-hmm. So she got like really un- amazing teachers to work with. And she'd be much better at all at talking about all that. Obviously. Uh, I'm curious to know what your um, your perspective is on because I, w- I was reading about how she got a scholarship and went to Spain to study flamenco and that it yeah. changed her career and her focus. And I also read something about that she got disillusioned with the commercial dance world. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's kind of just what I've been saying, you know, it's just that, you know, the mission and the, the connections are different within the world. The, so the commercial world is not, you know, it's not, it's not about whether it's not, it's not, in our experience, it's not about how deep do you connect with what you're seeing. It's not. And anyone who says it is, I don't, I don't buy that. I think mm-hmm. that's a story they're telling. You know, I've worked, I've, I've worked in the commercial world. I've seen, I've seen what the requirements are. You know, the requirements are to look good and sound good to an audience, to a paying public. That's what the commercial world is about. You know, and um, if we get and the amazing artist who becomes commercial somehow that's a blessing i love that that's awesome but that's not what the commercial world you know preaches that's not their mo no so it's very different yeah so of course she would get she would get very yeah but i mean she chose new york over la off the right because of that right off the bat when she was 16 years old so i don't know that you know i don't know that i mean she she was dancing from such a young age she might have got you know disillusioned when she was 10 or 8 Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't, it's not like she went into the commercial world and then changed her, you know, her mentality. Ah, she okay. was already aware from the beginning. And I'm sure in New York, she probably saw much of the commercial dance world as well. And then, you know, but, but she was already choosing an artsier approach for sure. Ah, okay. Well, I, you know, in, in what I've seen of her, her work, I love the influence that I see. I can tell that she's trained because it, it is so apparent yeah. in the way she moves and it is gorgeous. I mean, oh my gosh. And, and speaking of that, I loved the uh, send in the clowns video that you two did from 2012. Wow. Oh, cool. <laughs> I Thanks. love I that. We both like that a lot. It's gotten a lot of critique from people, like some of it not so good. But Really? Um, oh, my gosh. I loved we... it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. How was that working, yeah, put, a... putting that together? What was, the, what was the inspiration of putting that video together? Hmm. I got to remember now. <laughs> 2012. <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. So I had to pick a, I had to pick a, I wanted to pick a standard. I wanted to pick basically a standard, you know, kind of either a jazz tune or American songbook tune, or I don't know, something like that, that I could musically change into a flamenco guitar style. So first of all, that was a requirement. And Sending the Clowns lent itself to that. I needed it to be able to be kind of like a free rhythm and be kind of lyrical and be kind of, you know, floaty. Then what happened? Then I wanted it to have, I started off playing punk rock music and I wanted it to have kind of like a, I wanted to have an edge to that. Uh, of that, because um, I thought it, it was just a really interesting thing for 
someone who starts off a punk rock musician to then go turn into, you know, kind of a, a much more technically focused guitar player or whatever. So I think that's kind of a neat contrast. So that was part of it. That's why I look kind of punked out in it or <laughs> clockwork orange or I don't know, whatever. And then the dance aspect, how did we plan that? Let's see what happened there. Okay. So we knew a great graffiti artist. We met one. We we're living right next to a guy. And I became friends with him. He's amazing. He's an incredible graffiti artist. And he also is an occasional body painter when it's like a really artsy thing. But he's basically a really well-known graffiti artist. He does graffiti for all sorts of people like uh, Snoop and all these other, you know, big kind of, you know, whatever, big Hollywood guys, sports players and stuff. He does their cars and all that. So he was he's amazing. So that was inspiring for me to figure out, okay, so how are we going to incorporate this idea of either body paint or or graffiti or whatever into the work. And then we thought, okay, well, obviously Seatley could be a moving painting or something. And so then that, that seemed cool. And at first we were going to do it, you know, and she was down to basically do it totally naked. But then we thought maybe the video would be too much for some people if it was like that. And the flamenco world that we come from is somewhat conservative. So we were kind of fighting a little bit with breaking out of that conservativeness how far do we go out of it, et cetera. So ended up basically doing the body paint job on sort of a bikini kind of a look and tried to make it not very noticeable. And then the painting on the body was kind of like a avant-garde clown painting. That was sort of the idea, you know, to have the spots of a clown, but have it be all over her skin. So that was the kind of the concept behind it. And then the interpretation, you know, Basically, I recorded the, the music and, and put in a bunch of cuts into the music that would be good for dance. And then she sort of, you know, we both sat down and she kind of choreographed some movements. I watched the choreography and then I added some cuts that I thought needed to go with the music, which then she did. So she cut more with the dance. You know, there needed to be some stops and stuff. So she added some more of those to the choreography and then, and then we just did it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought, oh my goodness. First the album and then this video. And That song never sold. Like I never put that for sale. Mm-hmm. It's just a video art piece. That was it. That was all it was supposed to be. Oh gosh. You know, what, it wasn't. It was awesome. I loved it. I, she looked amazing in it, of course. Loved the shots of her leg and then her arm and then, oh, and the paint, the body painting. Oh my gosh. I, I thought, ooh, that would be kind of fun to do. <laughs> Have someone do that. Yeah, I know. It was a really, no? we, 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 we would like to do it as a performance art piece if, if the financial support for it was there. I think it would be awesome. Yeah. You know, live. Yes. You know? Oh my gosh. That would be awesome. But you need like a great stage and great lighting. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then we would need to get the body painter to like come back from Bali or wherever he's living now. <laughs> ah, so not local it's complicated <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Well, he was local and now, yeah, now not, not anymore. There was one other video I wanted to ask you about before we get to talking about your show coming up. Um, that video afraid. Wow. Yeah. When you were running yeah. barefoot, how was that when you were running barefoot in that area that you guys filmed? Where was that? <laughs> <laughs> that hurt. That hurt a lot. <laughs> that was a long run with a lot of rocks running barefoot. Yeah. That, that was, was out in the desert towards Las Vegas. Awesome. Wow. That video, the way it was shot and the music. I mean, it, you're, you know, seriously, Ethan, your music and your material, your art is with your wife and just you alone in- engaging. It, it, I'm just, I was like, 
how did I not know about this person? How am I just finding out? But you know, like you said, <laughs> thank you. That's you, awesome. You're welcome. It's not about the notoriety. It's not. A, it's about the art. It's about, like you said, the connection with the soul. And I so appreciate that you talk about that so much. I, I really respect that, and I feel like it. It just it adds something so much more than just movement or music or sound or whatever it is. So, um, you want to talk? Yeah. About, talk some uh, more about. Well, we're going to start talking. We haven't talked about it yet, but because we're talking about flamenco, and this is going to be the focus of your show coming up. Can you talk about the show and and that way we can invite people to come because they need to see it. I mean, based on what I've seen, just of your music and your wife's dancing and just learning more about flamenco. Can you talk about the show? Sure. Uh, so two, uh, family members from one of basically the, probably the largest spanning gypsy flamenco singing dynasty that has ever been. Two of those family members are coming here. They're both really good friends of ours and I've known them for a really long time and they're coming here from Spain, from Liberty, uh, Spain, which is like 45 minutes southeast of Seville. And they're coming to do two singing recitals. So each one of them does basically a recital in the performance of Roots Gypsy song um, within the flamenco styles. And, um, and then there'll also be dance in the show with another gypsy singer that's singing for the dancer and then guitar accompaniment and rhythm accompaniment in the show. It's special because these kind of people, you know, that are the sort of the deep down authentic founders of the form they don't really leave much they don't they don't go on tour very often they don't it's really hard to see them outside of their own town so it's very unique and very special and yeah i'm just really happy to be able to, to show that to whatever audience shows up i mean i think tickets are, are doing pretty well at this point but there's still some availability and and it just dials people into being able to feel something even deeper down hopefully than they do with flamenco when they've seen it in a less you know a less root setting so for someone that has never watched flamenco and is not familiar with it what would you say going into your show what should they be aware is there you know would you say that to someone oh be aware of this or look for this or just would you just tell yeah. someone enjoy this or you know what are some things that could enhance our experiences especially for someone that's never experienced what that's you guys never do. experienced it yeah mm-hmm. Well, so every show is different because it depends who's, who is the featured artist, right? So in this case, step one is you're seeing one of the original families, or point one is the original families of the, of the art form. You're seeing it in front of your face, you know, like they're sitting right there. So it's like seeing, you know, an equivalent of a Robert Johnson great-grandson or something like that. You're seeing that. So that's really rare. So that, I think that in is the entire show. After that, for when you're seeing flamenco and you're wondering, like, what should I watch here? The rhythmic nuances are very complicated. The way that they sing over the rhythmic nuances is very complicated because the rhythm signatures are tough and all of the the singing is syncopated. So it almost sounds like it's floating and doesn't sound like it's grounded. That's how complicated it is. It is very grounded. The truth is it's very grounded. But it's so syncopated and so complex rhythmically that it sounds like it's lyrical, like it's not tied to a beat in a way. And that's amazing. So a lot of people just think, oh, the person's just kind of talking and the guitar is just kind of following or something. But that's not really what's going on. 
So that's a, an incredible thing about flamenco. And then the dance aspect, watching the hand movement, the arm movement, watching the way that even individual fingers turn left or turn right, watching the way the wrist goes in, turns left, goes out, all that kind of, those nuances in dance are spectacular in flamenco. A lot of people focus so much on the feet that they forget all these other amazing body nuances. The feet are actually, for me, the last thing that I look at when I watch a dancer. So I, I hope that their feet are good and I hope that they rhythmically they sound strong, but I'm much more interested myself in uh, in the body work of the dancers. So um, that's something to look at and pay attention to that. And, you know, even though the feet are really cool and the rhythm is cool with the feet and what they do, you know, pay attention to the other things that are going on. And I don't know, lastly, just um, I think that the audience probably will feel that there's a connection to a deep soul search in this show. I think they'll feel that. And I think that that's something to realize that is not in all of flamenco, that is not in all of music, that is unique when you get to feel that in a theater. So, yeah, I don't know. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds amazing. And I am okay. so looking forward to seeing this. I've gone to two other flamenco shows and I, I've enjoyed them. But now knowing the context of where this is coming from and some of the things that you just talked about, and then, of course, listening to your music, seeing your beautiful wife dance. I'm even more excited. So, <laughs> No, cool. Oh, my cool. gosh. I cannot wait. Are you going to be there Sunday? I'm going to be there on Thursday, uh, November okay, 1st. Okay, Thursday. Yes. Got it. I was thinking if, if the theater allows me to, we might do like a little um, uh, a little mini sit-down question and answer thing after the show for like, you know, 15 minutes or something. Oh, my so, gosh. If you did, that would be I know. So it would be awesome. really cool. <laughs> for this show, I, I've never done that before, but I think for this show, I mean, I've never done that sh- before normally at this theater but if they allow me to do it i think it might be really cool for the audience so we'll see yes oh that would be fantastic and i would definitely stick around for that because i know that it'll be amazing but um, i'm going to link all of the information in the show notes at annettebone.com forward slash 188 on this amazing show that's coming up i can't wait and uh, i'm also going to link the information on Ethan and his lovely wife, Seely, and um, you got to check them out. Oh my gosh, their videos, their music, amazing. Okay, so we're out. Come to the show November 1st and November 4th at the Fountain Theater in Los Angeles. Check out the links in the show notes, and uh, we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you, Thank Ethan. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me on this session. Remember that you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by AnnetteBone.com and Dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.